0: Good morning, everybody. Glad to see you guys. you're watching online, thank you again for joining us. If you're joining us for the first time, welcome to church. We love to uh, do this thing called church. If you're here in this auditorium right now for the first time, uh, just so thankful that you're here with us. Uh, Just know that you're welcome here. We love you. And uh, this is a great place to be. There's just a bunch of real people trying to work out their salvation. And uh, so you can you can just come along with us for that journey. Um, Again, my name is Stephen. I'm just uh, looking forward to talking about our series, that we're in rhythms, but before I do, I see a bunch of you sitting, and uh, many of you look really, really comfortable. I don't know—is anybody comfortable in the house today? Yeah. We've got some brand new chairs. We're super thankful about that, right? And the carpet, is this impeccable? Like, I mean, this is just amazing. The place is crisp, right? And so, uh, you know, I don't know if, if you're aware of this. This is just a little pro tip. I just want to give you a little church hack real quick. I saw some of you trying to stuff your Yetis into the, into the cup holder and the, just bending them all up and stuff. And so you don't have to do that. Um, actually, there's an easier way. And I thought I'd just uh, fill you in. What you do is you just reach down and you you pull the cup holder out and, and then it's fully accessible. Just drop your cup in there. You don't have to worry about breaking any styrofoam cups, spilling coffee all over the brand new carpet, right? Amen. So, and then make sure you obviously, you know, pick up your coffee cup when we get done, right? All right. Yeah. All right. <laughs> Hallelujah. We've got Lola over here who likes to clean, uh, who is responsible for cleaning this environment. She said, please, please pick up your cup. So again, we're, we're continuing in our Rhythms series. And uh, man, it's just been so good thus far. And I'm looking forward to sharing out of our third week of Rhythms. Uh, now, for those of you that don't know, you might be watching for the first time. You, you might not realize that we are, in fact, a church. And so as a church, what we do is we proclaim the good news of Jesus Christ. And part of that good news is not only that he loves us and he's made a way for us to be saved, but but that he is God. Jesus is God and he is the creator of the universe, which is a pretty incredible uh, claim, right? And so we're so thankful that that's the God we serve, the one who holds all things in his hands. And and that God, Jesus, he he not only created the universe, but he created the universe with rhythms built into it it. Yeah. And and you don't actually have to be a believer in Jesus. You don't have to follow Jesus to, to recognize those things. If you look at the ocean and the way that the waves swell and break and swell and break and the tides, how they go out and they come back in, those are rhythms. You look at the seasons, you have winter where things die and then you have the spring where life is regenerated. I mean, you know, most Parts of the world. In Mississippi, we have summer all year long. But you love where you live, anyway, right? And so uh, you know, you have you have music. Music creates this incredible rhythm. It's this just rhythmic arrangement of notes that produce this wonderful thing that even makes the rhythm in you come to life. You start dancing, you start moving to the rhythm, right? And some of you looked at your spouse and you was like, well. Some of us, right? (laughs) Not all of us move to the rhythm. (laughs) So we have rhythms, and if you don't have the rhythm to dance, you at least have a heartbeat, right? And that's rhythmic. It might be a little arrhythmic when you're under stress and, and stuff like that, but there's still a rhythm. There's a rhythm. And ultimately, God placed us within this rhythmic creation in order for us to also live with Intentional and fruitful rhythms in our own lives. And so that's why we're talking about rhythms in this series. Now, a rhythm is a repetitive pattern of movement or actions. It's a pretty simple definition. And we all operate within a rhythm, as I mentioned, but the question is, are we aware of what that rhythm is? Are we paying attention to the rhythms of our own lives? Now, the Bible points us to a number of specific rhythms, and I wanted to highlight the one that we've been using, which is really based in this agricultural mindset. And it's this rhythm of resting, sowing, cultivating, and then reaping. And so we rest, We start from a place of rest. And and we're talking about physical rest, right? You gotta get your sleep, don't you? We're talking about emotional rest, right? It's good to it's good to be healthy. But most importantly, we're talking about resting in Christ Jesus, this spiritual rest. He his burden is light, his yoke is easy, and we get connected with Jesus and his yoke, and now the the work of our lives and, and the living that we do is being lived. In connectivity to him and he says, hey, I'm, I'm, I'm lowly, I'm humble and, and my burden is light, my yoke is easy, go with me. And so we rest in Christ. And then everything that we do in our lives is out of that restful posture and so we sow. We restfully sow seeds of faith, we sow other things in our lives, we invest in our lives and then and we, by sowing we have to break up ground in our lives that's hard and, and, and then we plant. And then we cultivate. And this idea of cultivation is what we're really talking about today. It's where we protect what's been planted, what we've been investing in. And we not only protect, but we nurture and we maintain that thing. And to cultivate is, is really to simply help whatever's been sown grow in a way that's helpful. And so we work at what we've planted. We work it and hopefully, it continues to improve and grow better and better. And then at the end of the day, whether it's the day you sowed and cultivated, maybe you'll reap, or maybe it's later this year, or maybe it's in the rest, in, later in your life, or maybe it's in eternity, one day we will reap what we sow. And this is not a solely Christian idea, though it is rooted in Christianity. Uh, As a matter of fact, most people all over the world have uh, some sort of principle that they adhere to that believe this. You reap what you sow. Some Eastern philosophies would say, well, it's just karma. What goes around comes around, right? But the reality of it is, 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 all of those things are rooted in this biblical truth. Now, there's some areas where we want to cultivate our lives, and where most humans want to cultivate their lives. Whether that's your wealth, you might want to cultivate your investments, right? Your finances, you're cultivating a professional uh, growth uh, track, right? You're, you're moving forward in that thing. Maybe it's your health. Maybe you want to cultivate some physical health. You're going to the gym, all about that fitness, right? You're focused on your nutrition. Maybe you're you're focused on some other things. You're going to the doctor, getting checkups now because that thing won't stop coming back and we get a little older and all of a sudden all those things start happening. We got to stay on top of that, right? So you got to cultivate health, and then, and then we cultivate our community, our relationships, our, our family and friends, and, and, and then we cultivate purpose. And purpose is something we talk about from time to time here. It's actually one of the, the things that has been hanging on our wall a long time. We want to you know, discover our purpose. Why? Because it answers such a big question. Why do I exist? And so we cultivate this pursuit of purpose and, and again, we see this being rooted in, in the Bible. We go back to uh, Genesis chapter two. It says, the, the Lord God took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to work it and keep it. Work and keep to to cultivate, to maintain, right? A lot of people, I don't know how you feel about work, but a lot of people are like, man, I think work's part of the curse. That's that's gotta be a consequence of the curse of sin. Satan deceived Adam and Eve and now they gotta work and now I gotta work, but that's not the way it went. Work was actually a privilege that God gave us. It was an opportunity for us to to be faithful to the garden that he had planted us in and, and actually work that garden as an expression of our worship, Work is worship. That's why the Bible says, do all things heartily unto the Lord. And so for Christians, when we think of cultivating, it's closely tied to our identity. It's closely tied to our view of eternity. We are created as sons and daughters by the living God, the King of Kings, right? And and he's given us a garden to work, to cultivate as worship unto him. And and we do that out of our sonship, out of being sons or daughters, because we want to please the Father, because he loves us and we want to love him in return. And so it's tied to our identity and our, our view even of eternity. And that's why the Bible says we seek first the kingdom of God and all its righteousness, and let God add all those other things to us. And so we'll cultivate a kingdom mentality in our lives. We'll cultivate an eternal perspective and as God puts things in our way, we'll be faithful to cultivate those things as well as well. There's somebody in the room that I kind of want to pause to draw attention to cuz I think this speaks to where some of us are at right now. The the OS launch team is in the room. Make some noise. OS launch team. That's a a good crew right there, y'all. Good looking crew. I'm excited about this. So our OS launch team, if you're watching online, we're gathering certain times uh, during the month here at the Gulfport location. We've got this section here. And we're looking forward to launching officially our OS location in January of 21. And, and, and the reality of it is, yeah, it's a great thing, right? And the reality of it is, we are sowing into the location, to OS. We're sowing into our relationships, to our small groups. We're sowing into team building, right? We're sowing into our community out there. And then we're cultivating. And we're doing hard work. And we're going to continue to do hard work because it takes hard work to cultivate the garden that God has placed us in, right? And so, and I believe with all my heart that we are going to reap an eternal reward, but we're also going to reap the fruit of our labor in Ocean Springs when we launch our services. We're going to see souls saved. We're going to see people be delivered. We're going to see chains be broken. It's going to be incredible, right? But it's not coming without sowing and then cultivating, And one of the cool things is is this is kind of like a micro example of what sowing and cultivating looks like at Northwood Church. We've been sowing and cultivating and reaping at Northwood Church for over 30 years, Ocean Springs is getting the opportunity to go to Ocean Springs off the, the work and the sweat of many people's investment over the last several decades. And and, and Ocean uh, Northwood Church has been reaping the, the, the uh, benefit, reaping the joy of seeing lives change for a long time in all of our locations. And so this is a really big thing. It's bigger than us. It's eternal and it's part of our identity. Now, we're working through this text um, consistently each week and our series is really anchored to this text in Galatians chapter six, uh, verses seven through nine. And it says this, whatever one sows, that will he also reap. For the one who sows to his own flesh will from the flesh reap corruption. But the one who sows to the spirit will from the spirit reap eternal life. Now, if you go and read this letter that Paul wrote to the church of Galatia, the chapter before chapter five speaks of what the works of the flesh are, and what the works of the spirit are. And so we can clearly see how God says, hey, this is when you're when you're sowing to the flesh and this is when you're sowing to the spirit. And he continues and let us not grow weary of doing good for in due season we will reap. And so we're working diligently, sowing to the Spirit to ensure that what we reap is the fruit of good investment, good cultivation. Now, we ended last week looking at four soils. Jesus talked about these four soils in his Gospels, and he mentioned uh, these soils in relationship really to the, the condition of our hearts, right? He's talking about... Are, are, are our hearts ready to receive these seeds of faith, the, the uh, seed of the word of God that's planted on it. And he gives three examples of soil that are not really ready to receive the word. One's hardened and it's been trampled upon and it's just, it's dry and dusty, right? Then you've got this other one, it's rocky and maybe a seed takes, uh, it, it germinates and it grows and they, they receive the word with joy, but then the, the, the trials of life come and steal that joy away. And then you you have one that's full of thorns and thistles and it just chokes the faith and the word out, right? But then there's this one that's got good culture. It's good culture. It's good soil. And that one bears good fruit. If you've ever been through our Next Steps online class, uh, Tom will be sharing about it a little bit later, but you'll hear uh, your pastors at all the locations talking about the the Culture of Northwood Church being really the, the soil, the seedbed that the seeds that you, even people that are added to this church, are planted into. And because the culture here is so good, it's a faith culture, good fruit is born out of it, right? And so, so we want to have a sensitivity to what, what the culture of our hearts is and cultivate the soil of our hearts to be uh, faith oriented in the most practical ways and the most spiritual ways. Now, there's some principles of cultivation that we really want to kind of lay out for you and these principles they might seem linear like well if i do this one then i do this one and and then i do that one but it's not that way they're actually simultaneously uh, happening as you're sowing and cultivating and um So cultivation is is a principle that applies to everyone, as mentioned earlier. And so are these these principles attached to cultivation. They they apply despite your demographic, your background, your belief, whatever you apply these to in your business. I mean, it's going to work. But as Christians, we have specific motivations around why we cultivate, why we apply these principles. And the first principle that we want to focus on is this. It's testing the soil. You got to test the soil, don't you? If you've ever planted something, you know that it's good to test the pH of the soil. You might get like a little litmus test where you drop, do the little dropper in there and find out what the acidity level or the alkaline level is to ensure that the seeds that you plant in there will thrive in that ecosystem, right? Well, the same is true for us. With intentionality, we want to do some self-evaluation. Any, any people think that deeply about their own lives, about their own hearts? Do you self-evaluate it's important that we self-evaluate what's the condition of my heart? What's the ecosystem, the culture of my heart? When I when I hear the word of God being preached, when I when I receive an encouragement from a, a brother in, or sister in the faith, is that is that seeding down in good soil? And, and is it going to grow? And we should ask that question, I think, even before making big decisions, as we, as we look at our lives and we're thinking about, man, I want to do that, or I want to I make that investment, or I want to go cultivate over there, or I wanna, maybe I want to shift gears, I want to do something a little bit different. The, the culture of your heart, it's critical to assess that, to ensure that you're making decisions with the right motivations, right? And so we need to self-evaluate, we need to test the soil. But furthermore, we need to invite God to do some evaluation of our hearts. Don't you think? I think it's important to invite the king to to know us. And, And actually, we see David, the psalmist, prayerfully inviting God's evaluation of his heart in Psalm 139. He says, search me, God. Know my heart. Test me. Test the soil of my heart. Test the culture of my life. And know my thoughts. And when we pray that prayer, Do you know what God does? And that God, God, by by his spirit, he, he convicts us. He convicts us of our sinfulness, if there's sinfulness, in our hearts. And you know what he asks for? He asks for a response. He doesn't want us to run from conviction. Conviction's a good thing. A lot of us get the impression that when we're asking God, hey, would you just show me something in me that, that might be unpleasing to you or that might be a little wicked? Would you show that to me? Then all of a sudden we receive conviction and we push it off as if it was condemnation. Now, condemnation is another thing. For believers, there is no condemnation in Christ Jesus. But, but conviction is something we have to embrace. And, and, and God, he, he wouldn't be a loving father if he didn't lovingly discipline his children and correct us. And so we should, as children, say, God, would you test me? And as you convict me, I want to respond. And then we retest. You know, retesting is uh, something that interests me, I I think, because lots of times we get the impression that once you do something, it's done, right? I've done it, move on, never look back. So the other day... Me and Amy and just a couple friends, we were loading up our very first trailer as we were getting ready to move from the house we've been in for a long time uh, to a new house as we get ready to move towards Ocean Springs, which is super exciting. Um, But we had an open trailer and I had a ton of stuff loaded on the trailer. Right. And I cinched down the trailer with some cargo straps. And then I pull out of the driveway and, you know, at the end of my driveway, I'm in one of those neighborhoods where the driveway, you know, it's not like a flush transition and you, and you, you come off the driveway and you keep moving. And so you're going down the road and I'm in one of those neighborhoods, right? Where the streets just aren't just so. And, and so you're driving down the street and you hit a, a dip in the road and the trailer does one of these things. And then of course, you know, I'm, I don't, I don't speed like all the time, but I do drive a little aggressively. And so I'm banging the corner, you know, and, and the, and the trailers on one wheel. And, and, uh, and so I said, well, you know, before I get on the main highway, what I ought to do is I ought to pull over and I ought to retest the load, retest the cargo straps. And I cinched them down and you know what? There was room to move. And I cinched all that down, got on the road and kept moving. And that, that load went up the road well. So we need to retest. But what we don't like is the fact that, that retesting isn't as simple as just cinching down the cargo strap. Sometimes being tested comes through fire, it comes through a trial and adversity, it comes through suffering. But the proven genuineness of your faith is being tested by that fire. Patience is being developed. Character is being developed. Hope is being born inside of you by the Spirit as you watch God lovingly and faithfully walk you through those adversities. Isn't that a wonderful reality? And so we should retest. So test the soil. The next thing we want to do is nourish the soil. We've got to water it we got to fertilize it. we got to feed the soil. Now, that house that we're moving out of now, I bought a number of years ago. And when I bought it, uh, you know, it needed like major renovations inside. It was pretty jacked up, I must, I must say. And so I tore that joker up and put it all back, and, and uh, it came together really good. You know, I was really proud of the work that I did in there at such a young age. And and so I did that, right? That took about a year and change. And and then I moved on to more important things. The yard. (laughs) I said, I'm going to fix this yard because it's beautiful. I see the potential. It's covered by oak trees and it's shaded and they're beautiful live oaks, but it had never been cared for. It never been maintained. It was roots literally growing up through the leaves and and it was just a mat of of mess and hard and, and just nothing would grow there. And so I went and got a 10 inch tiller. And I let that joker just pull me around the yard and I'm bouncing over roots and, and, uh, you know, I was a little younger and my back could handle it then. And, you know, so I did it. And and so I got all the roots up and, and I'm 10 inches of just good soil and the leaves are tilled into it. It's awesome. Right. And I plant those seeds and I'm watering it and I'm fertilizing it. And within just a couple months, I've got this neon green jungle in my backyard. There's lilies planted everywhere. It was exactly what I had in my mind. It was beautiful. I had cultivated a garden. And then Hurricane Katrina came one month later. Yeah. Yeah, no, no, no. It was was awesome. And so at first I was like, I'm going to stay here and make sure these plants make it. (laughs) My mom's banging at the door. You got to leave. Okay, mom. So so we leave. I come back. Four feet of water in the house. Soot and and mud and all kinds of other things I care not to mention from this platform deposited in my yard, man. I had to put the house back together, though, right? Because I needed a place to live. And so I put the house back together. And by the time the house is back together, which took forever... I'd already actually moved on and, and was doing some other things and, and now the yard's been neglected and the yard's just sitting there and I go back and I want to recultivate that grass and I'm like, you know what happens when good soil is neglected? It hardens again and it wouldn't grow quite the same way that it grew before and so this happens in our lives too. We, we are saved by grace through faith and God softens our hearts and he tills up the dead things and removes them and sows seeds of faith and belief. And then the storms of life come and deposits a mess in our hearts and our soul. And, and, and we're so busy living life trying to just keep up that we neglect that area of our heart. And that area of our heart can begin to grow hard towards the things of God. It can begin to let other things grow in it that were never intended to grow there. And it's critical that we recognize those things that have happened in our heart. And then also sometimes those, those things that we thought were beautiful, wonderful embellishments in the yard, the oak trees, what they wound up doing is it, it sapped all the nutrients out of my yard, sucked it dry, just dusty. And, and that... Same thing happens to our lives as we let these things that seem to be good sap the nutrients out of our lives. It could be people that are toxic in your life and that you're not ready to minister to. You just don't have the health for that. It could be things you're listening to, a podcast that once was like, hey, this is interesting. Oh, man, this is kind of cool. I'm learning a lot. This is awesome. All of a sudden, you realize it's literally discipling your mind in a worldly philosophy, in an ungodly pattern of thinking, and it hardens parts of your hearts, and you're looking at politics, and and you're angry. You're not just angry at the TV, you're angry at your neighbor because they got a different sign in their yard than you do. Oh. I might tear that down. Don't do that, though. Because that's a hard heart that is wanting to motivate you to do those things. And, and we're we politicizing things that aren't even political. They're faith issues. They're ethical issues. And we're politicizing these things and we're engaged in that. And we're, we're all over social media and we're absorbing and eating the, the philosophies of the world. And, and some of those philosophies are even coming from within the church, not to bash churches, but the reality of it is there's some misrepresentations of the gospel that are really easily accessible. And what that can do is that can give you the wrong view on what Christ actually intended to do. And when you don't see God doing what you believed he was going to do, what you were praying that he would do, and it doesn't come to fruition. It's not, you're not reaping that harvest. All of a sudden, your, your heart hardens towards the gospel. And so all of these things are critical, that, that we don't allow the, these things to deceive us and, and sap our nutrients from us and to where we'll stop working out our salvation in fear and trembling, and to where we give up on godliness. You know how many people I've seen come and go just give up on godliness. Oh, no, I'm a believer. I ain't worried about living like, in a way that reflects that. It's kind of like a form of godliness with no power, you mean. Well, yeah. <laughs> yeah, you just kind of <laughs> prove my point here, man. You know what I mean? So, uh, you know, and what happens is we become self-centered and, and, and unforgiveness handcuffs us again. And bad habits rule your life and it impacts maybe your money. It might not impact your money because that's the last holdout, right? That's the last stronghold. I'm not going to let these issues affect my money. I'm about my money, but it might. And it's highly likely to affect your marriage and it's highly likely to affect your parenting and it's highly likely to affect your, uh, the way that you live as a single person in the context of your community and in your, in your profession. It's highly likely to impact those areas of your life. It's highly likely to impact your investment in the local church, this local expression of the kingdom of God. And, and, and you wane in obedience to God and you wane in character. Those things start to change. And you start looking around like, oh, well, that's some green grass over there. Hmm. Oh, man, that's some green grass over there. Man, this just, this just dusty. And you start moving towards what looks like greener grass. When what you're really supposed to be doing is adding nutrients to the soil of your life, to the garden that God has planted you in. See, when grass isn't growing, it needs nourishment, not abandonment. What is nourishing your heart? What is nourishing your life? Whatever that is, it will overflow into every other area of your life. What are you eating on? What you, you are what you eat. You know that, right? Like... I know that's old school, like (laughs) all that. No, it's like literally true. If I eat a bag of chips, I got grease like coming out my pores. It's just the way it goes, okay? And so you are what you eat. What are you eating on? Well, Christians, believers should nourish our hearts by adding the right nutrients. Psalm 1 says this, Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers. Right? Blessed is the man who does not sow to the flesh. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, the word of God, the law, meaning wise instruction that comes from a good God. His his delight is on the word and he meditates on that word day and night. And you know what that man or woman is like? They are like trees planted by streams of living water that yields its fruit in its season and its leaf does not wither in all that he does, he prospers. And he doesn't just prosper financially, right? He doesn't just prosper in the areas he desires to prosper. He he, He prospers in the areas that God desires him to prosper. Those areas that are most essential to his eternal security and his effectiveness and fruitfulness on earth. And so the word nourishes us, and we've got to protect that, because that was one of the words we used to define, cultivate, protect, right? And just to be frank, I know everybody in here reads the Bible on a regular basis. I know if you're watching online right now, you have your Bible open, and you're reviewing some of the notes that you had attached to that scripture from last year when you were doing a study on that. I know that is true. It's, it's It's all over the place, but... The word of God does prophesy this about itself in Amos. It says, in the last days, there'll be a famine for the word. And I don't know if you realize this, because not everybody's like looking at these studies and stuff, which is natural. That's fine. It's okay. You don't have to. That's my job. That's Pastor George's job. We look at these studies to know how to how to serve you guys and lead you guys, and 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 what the studies say is that and this is self-admitted. The the church itself answered these questions, and this was the result. This the church admits. Yeah, I really don't read the word that often, and the church admits. And I don't just mean our church, like the global church, the, the American church. I don't read the, the Bible that often, and furthermore, I'm not even sure that all of the Bible is is. Uh, true or effective for my life or an authority in my life. That's what the statistics say. So we have to protect the word of God in our hearts. Let it be written upon our hearts. So we, we test the soil, we nourish the soil, and then we pull up weeds. Now, Amy, Amy, in the last few years, if if you know my wife, you know that, uh, man, she is an avid, gardener. (laughs) Now she's learning to garden and it's awesome having watched her uh, grow a passion for things like that. And she's gardening and does an incredible job and she reaps a harvest. It seems like after every garden, our family gets the benefit of that. And I love it. And I've I've watched her grow in that. But I've also had to watch the, the labor that Amy has put into those gardens. So she plants the seed well, I don't, that's kind of a lie. Okay, she unpots the already grown plant and she, <laughs> she, <laughs> she puts that in the soil. So, you know, I mean, not everything. Some things you need to be turnkey, right? And so then she waters it and fertilizes it and goes out there and pulls leaves off of the cucumber vines because they're sucking the life out of the fruit. And moves things around and kills all the bugs and lifts the tomatoes off the ground like just a loving gardener would. Right? And then she, oh, that's a weed. She goes after that weed, just, ah, just you know, just <laughs> passionate. <laughs> Because you got to pull up the weeds because they're like in thorny soil. They're choke out the word. And the cares of this world are what Jesus says are those things that will choke out the word. They're not always bad things, but they may be depleting our nutrients. And so we need to keep our eyes, our focus on the things that matter most in this life, not those distractions. Jesus said in Mark 4, the worries of this life, the deceitfulness of wealth and the desires for other things. I I do love how he has this huge category, other things and wealth. (laughs) Because because the Bible also says, for the love of money, not money itself, but the love of money is the root of all evil. And we see constant teaching around this this caution that you should uh, uh, walk with as you continue to amass wealth. It makes it harder and harder for you to see clearly what God is wanting to do in your life. That's what the word presents And so he says, those things come in and choke the word, making it unfruitful. So what is taking your affection, your attention from God, your attention from his will, from his, the the garden that he's put in front of you to to cultivate and to, to be faithful to? Whatever that is, that thing is called sin because it's exalting itself above God. It's putting itself in place of God where God wants your focus and attention but you've given that thing your focus and attention that becomes sin to you it might not be sin to someone else but if it's taking your eyes off God it's sin to you and so i think it's critical that we be honest with ourselves in first john chapter 1 it says if we confess our sins yeah we do have a couple of hurricanes in the gulf don't we getting some warnings it's gonna be a little rainstorm, guys. We're gonna say we're gonna go jump in some puddles. Okay, it's gonna be a lot of fun. It's gonna be great. So, First uh, John chapter one says, "If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness." And just earlier, we were talking about how it's critical that we ask God to test our hearts. And so I think it's so important that that we not only ask God to test our hearts, but then when he convicts us and says, hey, there's a weed, son. There's a weed, daughter. I want to pull that thing up and cast it aside, that we respond to that. We allow the soil of our hearts to be softened, and we confess, and we repent. You might even take a moment right now. Holy Spirit, what what is in my heart that's become sin to me? That's grieving you. I want to confess that to you right now. I repent from that. You might think I'm landing the plane here, but I'm not. I know you wish I was, but I'm not. Got just a few more minutes. Hang on. We're going to go back to Galatians chapter 6 where we started. And we're gonna look at that last verse again, chapter uh, verse nine. It says, let us not grow weary of doing good, right? Let us not grow weary of work. Let us not grow weary of cultivating, of, of doing the work that the Lord has called us to, sowing in and cultivating the garden that he has planted us in. Let us not grow weary of doing good, for in due season you will reap. Be encouraged. There's a harvest coming, right? If we do not Give up. We cannot give up, church. Don't give up. If you quit now, the ground will harden and weeds will grow. And God has a garden for you to cultivate. Don't give up. I know there will be times when you want to give up. I know there will be times where you're tired, where you're frustrated, where your emotions are getting the best of you. Whether it's around your marriage, don't give up on your marriage. I don't know who that's for, but don't give up on your marriage. Whether it's with your kids and your discipline and, your, and you're creating a healthy environment for them, don't give up. Don't let them wear you down. Say I love you, baby. Don't let them wear you down. <laughs> when when it's, it's your work that you're called to, when it's the local church that you're supposed to be investing in and pouring your life into, don't give up. When a virus shuts services down, don't give up when it's difficult to gather. Don't give up. Life is not all sunshine and rainbows, as my man Rocky loves to say, okay? It's true. Life is difficult, and for the Christian it may even be more difficult. I was talking with a brother about this the other night. Life is hard, and when we're called to a certain standard of living, when we can't go and, and, and react the way that we want to react and, and, and feel good about it, right? We, we have to just suck some things up and lay them down and surrender. That can be hard sometimes. Man, we just, we can't, we can't take control of everything. Some people want control, and, and, and we're called to surrender, and I'm telling you, don't give up not just in, in controlling your life. Yeah, do what you got to do, but don't give up and surrendering day after day as the world tries to beat you down. Because it will. Yeah. Now, Paul encourages many other churches, not just the church of Galatia, to not give up. He says in 1 Corinthians to the church of Corinth, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, because that work isn't in vain. To the church at Thessalonica in chapter uh, in the second Thessalonians chapter th- or verse three, he said, do not grow weary in doing good. In Hebrews, if Paul wrote it, let's just assume he did because nobody really knows. In Hebrews chapter 12, it says, remain in God's processes and endure the hardships of life, just like Jesus did as he made his way towards the cross that's the call on our lives. And then he said in 2nd Timothy, he's writing to his son in the faith, the one who he's pouring his life into at the highest level and he says in chapter 4, Timothy, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. He says, "You do the same. Fight the good fight. Run the race with endurance. Do not give up, Timothy." Jesus talks about the same thing and And John, I believe this is why why he says this. He says, abide in me, remain in me. I'm the vine, I'm your source, you're the branch. Remain in me and I'll remain in you. And so while we're here on earth not giving up, remember that God is with you, not giving up with you. And he is more than enough and he will carry you and his strength is made perfect in your weakness. So why don't we give up? Well, in verse eight, Paul continues encouraging Timothy. He says, now there is in store for me the crown of righteousness. It's coming. Which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day, the day of redemption, which is drawing near. And on that day, we will receive our crown. And not only to me, not only to you as an individual, but to all. All who've longed for his appearing, all who've longed for the return of Christ, all who have longed for him to come back and make all of these broken things in this world right. We look at the cross and we rejoice over the, the free gift of salvation that Christ has offered through the shedding of his perfect and, and sinless blood to, to, to be merciful on us so that we could be forgiven. We look at him going to the grave and we know that he overcame the, the grave and death in that moment and in the resurrection. He conquered all of it, and we see him. He shows himself to his believers, to his followers, his disciples. He says, look at me. Here I am. And then he ascends to heaven. He's sitting at the right hand of the Father, literally praying for you right now. That's what the Bible teaches us. Isn't that exciting? But he doesn't stop there. He's sitting now, but it won't be long before he's sitting. He stands again and he's going to come as a righteous judge to judge all of those who are not in him, who have not received the forgiveness, the free gift of salvation. But he's also coming to gather his people. He's going to gather his people and we'll receive a crown of righteousness. And then because we know we serve a good and holy God, we're going to cast those crowns down at his feet because that's where they really belong. They're his, not ours. And we're going to worship with full of joy. And that's what we have to look forward to. That's why we don't give up. That's why we don't give up. And so, as you're cultivating in your life, as you're cultivating your faith and your walk with God, as you're cultivating your relationships, your marriage and your, 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 your family and and, and the people that you do relationship with here at Northwood church and your community, right? As you're cultivating whatever garden it is that God has given you to cultivate, don't give up because there is a living hope. And though though we get distracted and we see things that want to steal from us our joy, the joy of the Lord will be our strength. And if you'll continue to just return to the joy of your salvation, that moment when you remember God just captured your heart, it might even be happening right now in this very moment for some of you. If you'll just hold on to that joy, you won't give up. You'll keep looking forward to eternity. You'll keep looking forward to that day of redemption when God's going to stop all the tears and all the pain and all the sorrow and make us completely whole and healed in Him. So don't grow weary, church. Don't give up. Let's cultivate a life of godliness that's worthy of the call. He's worthy of our our devotion to that. Will you guys join me in prayer? Father, I thank you that, that we can gather and worship you and just express our love to you as you've loved us. We just... We just return that love right to you, God. We have very little to bring to you as your children. It's like kids at the house. They can't pay the light bill, but they get to enjoy the light. God. So we can't pay the bill. Jesus paid the bill, but we get to enjoy the light of the world in our lives. As the church, God, we thank you that you are drawing us back to you. We draw near to you and believe that you're drawing near to us. Look, if you're in this room right now and you just feel like God has impressed upon your heart that you have been apart from Him, and you're feeling something, you don't know what to do with it. One, I wanna tell you, you're probably feeling the love of the Father comforting you in this very moment, letting you know what it's like to be truly loved by a perfect, loving God. But He's also wanting to call you out of some of the brokenness of your circumstances, your sin even. And he's offering forgiveness. It comes by grace through faith. That's how we're saved. All we have to do is trust in the gospel message of Jesus Christ. He died for you. He was raised to life for you. And if you trust him, you'll be raised to life with him. And all you have to do is say, I want that God. I want that Jesus. You are king of my heart. You are the Lord of my life. You have saved me in this moment. And I am filled with a joy unspeakable because of it. I thank you, God. I repent and I turn towards you now. And I'll live for you for all the days of my life. In Jesus' name, amen. Come on, let's give it up for God. He's saving souls. Look. I think it's critical that we just continue just for another moment or two with, a, with a, just in this atmosphere of worship, knowing that God is loving and faithful and that we'll just turn all that back to him. Would you stand to your feet as we get ready to sing this song again? I just want you to, to, to remember the joy of your salvation and remember that Jesus belongs on the throne of your heart. And so, Father, we lift you up. We worship you. And as we sing this song again to you today lord we just pray that you are honored that you are pleased with this sac- this offering that we bring to you god and we love you and we thank you for it all in Jesus name amen and amen you're
1: never gonna let, you're never gonna let me down you're never gonna let you're never gonna let me down. this morning. Just, I know I am. Uh, it's been just awesome. Uh, thank you, Pastor Stephen, for bringing that truth this morning. That was great. Um, God definitely spoke through you, and uh, we're just very, uh, very thankful for that. Um, so, guys, if you, if you don't know me, my name is Tom. I'm the assistant pastor here at the Gulfport Campus. And, you know, I just want to welcome those of you who might be new uh, to Northwood. Maybe this is your first time here. Maybe this is your first time watching online. And also, maybe you just prayed that prayer with Pastor Stephen, um, you know, that he just led us in, and, and you gave your heart. To Jesus this morning. Uh, We as a church just want to go ahead and celebrate you. Let's give it up for those people this morning. If that was, if you kind of fall into those two categories, here's what I want to do. I want to reach out to you this week. Um, There's a simple way you can get some information back to me, and I kind of want to help you take your next step, whether that's just finding out a little bit more about Northwood Church or um, getting some more information on taking your next step in this brand new relationship with Jesus Christ. Uh, The the link is on the screen behind me. It's a short little form. Just fill it out, send it in, and I'm going to reach out to you this week. Sound good? All right. Um, Also, I I want to bring attention to uh, Pastor Stephen. mentioned it uh, a little while ago. It's called our Next Steps class. It's something we actually normally do in person month to month, which actually stay tuned because we hope to be starting that again soon. But for right now, we're just doing it online. And the link is on the screen behind me. Um, If you're new to Northwood, newer to Northwood, I want to just invite you to check that out. Uh, It's three simple little videos. Just watch them. It's going to give you some uh, just great steps to take to uh, just not only know the heart of Northwood, but to get invested into Northwood and, and see what that that actually looks like for you, okay? Um, You know, every week we try to bring something to you all uh, that kind of highlights some of the cool things we're doing as a church through your giving. And uh, this week is actually a, a special thing. I actually kind of stole this announcement from Pastor Stephen this morning because it was actually something personal to me because actually what we did is this week we sent $1,000 down to a church and actually a, a little network of churches down in Honduras and San Pedro. And uh, the, the pastor that we sent the money to... Um, He's a gentleman that I actually, I got to meet and also, uh, I know we got a few team members. He went to Guatemala with us last year. I know we got a couple up here and it was just an amazing trip. And this gentleman uh, came from Honduras and actually led the trip. He was our translator. He's also doing some of the speaking and preaching and he was just an amazing man. And uh, he just really impacted our lives in such a special way. We've maintained a relationship with him over the past year or so. And right now, here's what they got going on. Not, not only, well, let me, something he shared with me, he, he chose to pastor in the most violent city, the murder capital of Honduras. He chose to basically plant roots there. And this gentleman has, he actually goes and he's one people who are in, literally in drug cartels to the Lord. And they started attending his church, and these young men have actually been murdered that have attended his church. I mean, it's just the stories this man has is unbelievable what he does to spread the gospel there in San Pedro, Honduras. And, uh, you know, I reached out to him a couple months ago just to see how things were going with coronavirus and and how that's impacting them. And they're actually kind of a couple months behind us on how uh, everything started spreading and it's really hit them hard. Uh, not only the poverty they have down there, but as you saw on the screen, there, you didn't see any church buildings, right? They're actually, what he's doing with, with several other pastors is they wake up early in the morning, they cook food, they put them into to little uh, styrofoam boxes, they pack them in the back of an old pickup truck, and they just go around town and literally plant shop. They get out, they start singing until people gather around, and then they start praying, he preaches, people get saved, people get prayed over, then they pass out food. And he said his goal is to make sure that day that people can at least have two meals. You know, that's where, that's how they're living right now. So uh, the money we sent down, he said, that's going to keep them going for several weeks, be able to provide those meals and uh, getting some medicine to people and everything. So that's you know, that's not just me and the relationship I have with that man that made that happen. That's through faithful giving for you guys. So uh, it's just great, guys. We're doing great things, not only locally, but all around the world. So just want to let you know that. And as we get ready to go today, I just want to pray over him and that church. And just for globally, the church, guys, there's all kinds of stuff going on that we don't even know about on a day to day basis. So let's do that. God, we just, uh, as Northwood Church, God, we want to lift up our brothers and sisters in Christ, not just there in San Pedro, Honduras, but all around the world, God, there's so many things that are going on, and you know all about it. You have you have the pulse of your church. You care about the church way more than we do. Um, So, God, we're lifting up leaders, pastors all around the world, specifically this pastor, Pastor Fernando down there in San Pedro. God, give him strength, give him wisdom, give him longevity. God, give him health as he ministers to to people who are are living in situations that we certainly can't fathom here in the U.S. But, God, just pastors all around the world that we have relationships with, that we're supporting, God, bless them, God, enrich them. God, build your church, build your kingdom, God, and, and help us to continue to give to be faithful to do our part here locally and to minister as we get opportunities all around the world. We love you, God. We thank you for meeting today. We thank you for our church and we ask that you continue to bless this church and uh, lead us and guide us. And we thank you so much for your grace and your mercy that goes before us and lifts us up daily. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. You guys have a great week. We'll see you.